Hey, everybody out there. We're just waiting for uh, Robbie to come back. And Rocky will be here in just a moment as well. So we're just waiting for all of that to really, really start getting going here. But it'll happen in just a second. I think I'm just going to start it off here. Hope everybody's having a great evening on this wonderful Saturday night. Hope the week's been going great for you. I, of course, am your host, Dry Archuleta. And this week on the live show, I'm going to be joined by Robbie in just a moment here. And then Rocky will be joining here in a little bit. We just got done recording our episode for today. We're going to be recording another episode tomorrow. Um, if you're listening to this live, then the movie we just recorded was The Wailing. And uh, yeah, it was really, really great. There were a lot of uh, really great questions that you could put into that one. And honestly, a lot of uh, really... Uh, it, it's just a really interesting discussion that you can have with that movie, honestly. There was a lot more to it than I had originally anticipated. So, that felt really great. Yeah, it was a lot more... It feels very much like a surface movie at first, but as you dive deeper into that movie, it's very, very much... Uh, it gets a lot more complicated. It does get complicated. And yeah, spoilers. We had a great discussion, Sam. Spoilers. <laughs> super, Sam super in the spoilers. chat there. Uh, yeah, it was, it was honestly a really fun episode. And uh, we got into uh, deeper discussions, I think, than maybe we're kind of used to getting into here on religion and Things of that nature. On religions and morality choices and xenophobia and things of that nature. Yeah, it turns out Japanese people are... Well, I won't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like anywhere you go, you're going to meet people who are racist or you're going to meet people who are bigoted or prejudiced or just straight up assholes. Like, it doesn't matter where you go. There's always going to be that person. Oh, for sure. There's tons of hate and evil and awfulness in the world. Yeah. But... That also being said, there's also going to be those people who are kind and caring, no matter who you are, too, no matter where you go. But it's just a matter of knowing where to look and kind of associating yourself with the, the right people. Yeah. 
Sam in the chat says the world is shit. I mean, you're not wrong. But you are wrong about that. <laughs> Good people don't exist. Don't lie. LOL. Um, I that I'm not. May I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm I torn feel... on the good people existing part because I feel like good people exist, but not like good how you think. Like, there's no like selfless people in the world. I think everybody does something for a reason and something that like will benefit them ultimately. Right. I. No offense to you, Sam, but it, it's easy to get jaded when you work the night shift at a liquor store. <laughs> That's very true. Makes a good point. <laughs> That being said, like we were talking earlier about like an asshole that I work with too, and like how he he purposely pokes at people to try to like get a reaction out of them, and he hasn't been able to do that because you know me. Whenever people talk shit to me, I just kind of like shrug my shoulders, like eh, it's whatever, yeah, kind of thing. And so like the only thing he really does is that he thinks he can get to me at is uh, whenever I talk around him to somebody else, he just automatically says like, oh. We're not we're not allowed to talk to him, so don't or don't pay any mind him, don't pay any attention to him. He doesn't matter, and so uh, I'll just usually ignore him and just keep on saying whatever I had to say to that person whenever he says that. Wow, he seems like a fucking horrible person. Yeah, I wouldn't talk to that man. I I mean I don't. He just <laughs> he's just always around. Yeah, he's just around, and I have to work with him, so I just work with him. <laughs> That's fair. that being said, there are some good people there too, like uh, a guy named Matt, who like every single time I have a problem there, like he's always the first one to tell me, like, oh yeah, you need to fix this and this. And then there's like people in the middle, like Bill that I work with, which I probably shouldn't be saying the real names, but whatever. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Matt and Bill are very common names. Call them out. Um, like Bill, like he's not a bad guy. He's a he, like he's he's a good person, but he has kind of like that asshole humor to him. Like he'll say things every now and then to like kind of poke or you know poke at you a little bit. But at our down to his core, he's always been a pretty good guy to me. Right. Um, hey, and uh, in uh, the guest Collins, Rocky just joined us. Hey, Rocky. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Sam says, "Cancel Matt, cancel Bill." Yeah, do it. <laughs> So yeah, we were just talking about how we had a fun discussion about uh, the whaling tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a fun discussion. I did rather enjoy that. Nice, man. Wish I was there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we started talking about. Uh, oh, hear an echo on your end, Rocky. Um. But before we started the live show, we started talking about The Last of Us and uh, the implications of morality in that as well. The first Last of Us. No Last of Us 2 spoilers here. We won't be that evil. Yeah. Did but... I fix the echo? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, sounds like okay. the echo's gone. Yeah, um, okay. Well... Um, so clue me in. Where where we at on that? I mean, before that, we were talking about how um, I feel, or at least how I felt for the game of how like Joel in some cases tried to make the right choice, but it just kind of, uh, you know, kind of just kind of spat in his face. And then I don't the end of the think game. so though. I mean, why not though? I just, I feel like Joel's outlook on the world was just that it's a shitty place. You look after yourself and Joel just did what Joel felt like doing. I mean, like I don't think he ever though, considered like, right and wrong in his actions. I think, for instance, when he uh, honored bringing Ellie to that place, it was because he cared for—I uh, can't remember his partner's name—but 
Uh, he cared for her. Uh, Thess or Tress? Yeah, but it was because he cared yeah, for he her. Care like for he her. had that feelings. Was kind of his way of doing. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like the game starts off with him. Um, well, I guess it starts off with him. You know, trying to look after his daughter, and then after that, it's him trying to look after Tess and do the right thing by her, and then him honoring her by her asking him, like, please, this is like my last wish. Like, do what, like, you know. Like this is yeah. do what's right in the situation, and then like even though he didn't like this little girl, even though he didn't care about her at all, he cared about uh, Tess enough to do what she wanted, and then it got to the point to where he cared about Ellie, so he was trying to do right by Ellie throughout the game. Yeah, and, okay, I I, then, I agree with that. He definitely had his own moral code, but it was never for like a greater good. Yeah, it, like he yeah, it was he never, threw that concept yeah, out I'm, the I'm, window. Yeah, I you was know? never trying to like make it seem like it was for like some greater good. Well, at some point, maybe he did believe it was some kind of greater good because, you know, whenever he goes out to seek his brother to help him find the fireflies, it's because he feels like this girl is the cure. Like she, this is helping the greater good by, you know, getting her to the fireflies. But at the same time, you know, he was trying to look out for himself in that sense. So there was like kind of like that moral gray area within that sense, wherever, you know, he tried pawning this little girl off on his brother because he didn't want to have to deal with the responsibility of it anymore but there's also you yeah. know, him trying to do right by her because you know they have that conversation which i found out later on like that uh that scene that they have wherever she says uh which you know i guess jumping into the spoilers for the last of first last of us well uh, i mean it's a nine-year-old or seven-year-old game yeah. at this point so right but like uh, that scene wherever uh, they're talking and, you know, she's reading that book saying like, is this what people used to worry about? And like how she's basically asking, like, please don't abandon me like everyone else has. And he's basically saying he's going to do it anyways. Like apparently that whole scene was actually improvised by a Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker because they needed to feel they didn't feel like the scene itself had enough oomph to it or had enough emotional kickback to it. And so like that scene where she says like everybody that I've ever known has either left me or died everybody except for fucking you. So don't say that you'd be doing better by uh, leaving me because the truth is I would just be more scared. Like that apparently that whole scene was improvised by the two of them. And I think that's probably one of the better scenes in that game. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately I think Joel didn't care about the morality of the situation. He cared about himself. Yeah. And that's the thing is uh, by saving her from being, you know, from having her brain being basically being taken out of her skull at the end of the game. Like that was him thinking about himself compared to the rest of humanity. Cause yeah, you he can't, was willing, he was willing to save humanity as long as it didn't mean losing her. But as soon as it meant losing her, he just automatically threw it out the window. You know, the problem that comes with the, with stories of morality is typically in video games, you, you go about it in the most psychopathic way possible. So there probably is an argument to be made that Joel does care about other people, but he eradicated a whole hospital of like people because that's just, yeah. well, yeah, but it's also like, that's, you know, just like you need a lot of enemies to fight. You know what I mean? So it was, one, yeah. it was, it was almost <laughs> like the, just how the game's supposed to play kind of like degrades the, the moral argument. So like I can see story wise, Joel definitely cares about other people, but if I'm to actually like, look at like all the game actions like he killed a whole fucking hospital of people dude like straight up to save one person which is pretty psychopathic you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's super psychopathic <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think it's like also like i guess if you look at the whole of them like you know throwing enemies at are at you in the game to give you something to fight if you look past that scene you know they still see a whole bunch of awful things, you know, like raiders and bandits and 
cannibalistic towns and uh towns yep. where they basically have like almost like a genocide going on in that and uh yeah and it, yeah it does very much become the daughter figure in that game like sam said uh to what his dead daughter is but um yeah yeah and it is also true like he lets his personal feelings get in the way because that's what i was actually saying beforehand is like the world or the how i saw the ending of that game was the world took everything away from him and when he finally got a little bit of piece or a little piece of it back the world tried taking that away from him and so he took that away from the world i didn't i never saw it like a malicious thing i just saw I mean, it, it was him not not having a, a moral compass really like he does things that are good for him and if it happens to be good for other people that's fine but ultimately it's all about him that is a way to look at it too yeah that's it's not really a person who's been encouraged to operate on an idea of a larger good right. i understand why he did it i couldn't expect someone like joel you know like the, the whole reason Joel was given that task is because he's the kind of person who would hand someone over for cash, right? That was that why you gave him that task. No one thought he was going to build a connection with Ellie. Yeah, but right, and that's it's how it started off. But he, you know, for the entire year that that game takes place through, like he does eventually, you know, build that connection to her throughout all yeah. the trials and tribulations that they go through together. And and you you did kind of point it on the head uh joel has a moral compass for the people in his direct environment you know but yeah. it's always there always has to be something in it for him and it's something that i think the environment has encouraged because that's how he survived you know yeah that's what he had to do in order to make it mm-hmm. nevertheless so i mean it's it's a wash i feel like if you made a movie you couldn't like make him kill a bunch of people in the hospital you would have to have like a like a fucking hostage situation where he's like in an elevator or something, yeah. Because like, the whole um, the, you'd have to tone it only, down a bit. Yeah, the only uh, death scene that would actually make sense for that ending hospital scene is that one doctor that gets in the way of him, saying, "I'm not going to let you take her away from us." And then he kills that doctor and then takes Ellie away from them. That's the only. Well, death there's star, also the lead firefly. Then, yeah, and then the lead firefly. Those are the only two deaths that canonically make sense for that scene. Uh, if yeah. they made a movie about it, it would be him sneaking into that room, killing the doctor, sneaking, uh, running away from them, and then meeting the, uh, yeah, and then meeting the lead Firefly at the end of it. Yeah, like if you heard someone tell you that story in like some weird wilderness bar, fucking wherever people like that would hang out, right? You'd hear the story <laughs> and you'd be like, God, that is that is such a difficult position to be in, right? And I, it's, it's, ext- it's awful that you killed two people in the end, but Jesus. But if it was like, oh, so what'd you do? I killed everybody. What? Yeah. I just, you know, went in this room and I, I killed everybody them all. that was in the building. I killed I, every single one of them. I specifically hunted them down and I took the duct tape that was in their pockets. It was just, I didn't <laughs> think they needed it anymore. So I killed everybody there. <laughs> they're all, they're all fucking dead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, once you get me going, I can't stop. <laughs> He Anakin Skywalker day. He's like, I killed all of them, and I mean all of them, or even the women and the children. I killed them all. Yeah, well, that that's 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 the uh, the the typical like video game uh, clashes with the storytelling aspect of the video game. They usually they usually aren't always directly on par with each other. So I I right. fair enough. I'll, I'll I choose the the uh, the story canon over the the video game gameplay canon because they they tell very they tell two different stories about Joel's personality. 
Just ones like yeah. sometimes you just have to kill everything Everybody. in a very linear fashion and never look back. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, so the only thing I'm going to say about Last of Us 2 is I think that they fixed that problem. Okay. It feels like the gameplay and the story are the same thing. So it's less of a, like, this is the storyline to it, but in the gameplay, it's a murder fest? There is no Ludo narrative dissonance Okay, in Last of Us 2 like there is in Last of Us 1. That's good. Yeah, that's that's that is that's very good. That's it. It does. I feel like I, I, I love. There's a lot of video games where the stories are just amazing, and sometimes, even though the gameplay is also fun, it's just how copious the violence is destroys the the story because it's like these characters can't even maintain these kind of complexes when they just slaughter fucking everything. You can't care about anything right. if all of a sudden you slaughter fucking everything in your path it doesn't make a difference anymore because you're a goddamn killing machine it doesn't matter right, exactly right <laughs> yeah. a, a good example of that is um that ps2 game uh minority report you know based off the movie but kind of its own little storyline but mostly based on the book actually oh yeah mostly based on the book but like uh in that game like it shows the character that you play as uh, pos- like you know, possibly murdering somebody in the future, and then to get away from this, like literally murdering everybody in the building. Yeah, to- throwing them out of windows, <laughs> throwing them out of helicopters, yeah. shooting them in the face. <laughs> it's like, well, shit! You didn't even have to plan this out. You could have just done that in the first place. It's just like, <laughs> all right, you need to kill this person. Okay, just draw a circle on the map. Well, no, don't you want to know exactly? No, no, everything in that circle will be dead. So you just draw that circle, <laughs> and I'll take care of the problem. <laughs> I mean, that that was kind of just early video games, to be honest. Like, I remember playing, like, the first Max Payne game and, like, thinking, like, yeah, if anybody wants to find out where I am, they just need to follow the trail of dead bodies. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I agree 7,000 shells right here next to 13 bodies. Well, well, I don't think we should really explore this anymore, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, it, it started like where more... it was just gameplay and, and, and then story started happening. And then the story was just sort of like a cherry on top of like a, a violent pancake. It's like, yeah, yeah. you got to kill all these people because they're Nazis and Hitler. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a good story. And then it gets a little bit more in depth. And now we've gotten to a <laughs> point where there are games that are just mostly they are like the gameplay or they are the story, or they're a hybridization of both. So now you can get really into. And I, I'm a story guy. I, I like a I like a good story. You know, same, same, same. Um, but yeah, uh, especially like the early 2000s, because I remember reading an article way back when saying that whenever like storytelling started to become like more of a thing in video games, and they were saying about how important it could be to like tell an actual good storyline because they're saying like it's not exactly important like as of right now the most important are the most popular video game in the world has a story to it but you're literally just a hyper soldier killing a bunch of aliens like talking about um yeah uh, uh, talking about the halo series and like that's pretty <laughs> much what it was it's like you'd go into a room and slaughter a bunch of aliens and then like a little tiny bit of storyline and then slaughter a whole bunch of aliens and a little tiny bit of storyline yeah yeah the story never yeah. really I never really cared about the story in Halo. And I I also didn't necessarily care about the gameplay. I just I really like the feel of being that person cuz I felt like that was yeah. that was fun. That was a pretty novel yeah. experience. But I have a question for you guys. What's up? Robbie, we'll start with you. Okay. You been watching anything recently? 
not in the sense that you're thinking like movie or TV wise. Uh, the most is like I told you guys earlier, uh, usually whenever <laughs> I'm at work, since I'm allowed to actually like listen to stuff while I'm at work, I've been uh, listening to Vampire the Masquerade, which is like the tabletop game that they were playing on Geek and Sundry for a while there, which I think it was still a thing before COVID. But I know that like a lot of things got put on pause and like me listening to you know, tabletop gaming, like listening to Critical Role and listening to Vampire the Masquerade or Charisma Plus and like all that other stuff has just been like put on hold until it's safe to have a bunch of people in a room together rolling dice. But why don't I they think, just have a bunch of people in front of their computers rolling digital dice? Uh, I think it's because uh, a lot of like the reasoning that I heard behind that was because it's not quite as immersive and they've had some issues with that in the past, especially on Critical Role. Because uh, they had, once again, since we were talking about The Last of Us, uh, Ashley Johnson was a part of Critical Role. But um, around the same time that it actually became a Twitch show was also around the same time that she ended up getting a job in New York uh, playing on a TV show called Blindside. And so for nine months out of the year, she was just up in New York uh, do, you know, filming for that. And then so they would just like find ways to like give her cameos into it. And they tried a handful of times to... Uh, just have her like Skype into it and it just did not work. Well, they didn't know how to do it right then. Probably not. But also, <laughs> I, I don't know. Apparently, like your Internet connection wasn't the greatest. And like, you know, having, you know, studio quality mics, like probably more expensive than the mic that I'm using right now. And like uh, like Blackmagic 4K cameras uh, recording everything and like having their own music set and everything. And then just having someone on a laptop mic in the background uh, Skyping in using, you know, the laptop quality microphone just didn't, it kind of apparently they feel like their production value should be a little bit higher than that. And so like, that's what they were trying to go for. And same thing with vampire, the masquerade, actually, I think that one ha actually has a higher production value than critical role does even because with that one, once again, they have professional voice actors and like, uh, for me, the most interesting one they have is, uh, Alexander Ward, which, uh, he is in Hollywood movies, but he does a, he's a, a professional creature. So like he does, like if you see like some kind of crazy or crazy, weird looking monster in the background, that's, you know, somebody in full body makeup, like he does that as a profession and he's really good at it too. And they uh, got him to play, but like they usually have like full makeup and wardrobe and like every now and then they'll actually have like uh, different effects with the lighting and stuff like that for it. So there is like a produ production value to it. That sounds like so much of what I don't want. <laughs> It's not way over the top. It's not like I don't even remember what the tabletop was, but you're saying that there was like some kind of uh, someone who's like some group that was playing D&D &D and they had like people in like full Cthulhu costumes. and They had a throne at some point in time and like all this other crazy stuff. It, it's not quite that crazy. Like when I say full makeup uh, for like Alexander Ward, since he's playing in Nosferatu, uh, he shaved his head for the whole thing. And then like they just have him like with uh, makeup to make his skin look more white so that way he looks like a little bit more undead than everybody else does. Does he get paid for this? Yeah, I think they all get paid for it. Okay, as long as it's like not a job and not just like, I'm going to put in all this effort so I can play D&D &D for seven hours a week. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's like three hours. Like for them, it, it, they're, they're a lot better at making sure that it sticks at the three hour mark. So each episode is like three hours or less. Okay, but that's um, still so much. But like uh, one good example, like they had someone doing a ritual and they kind of dimmed the lights down on everybody else and had a red light going down on just like that one person. So they had a spotlight on that person. And like uh, when I say sh and she was also in like full makeup, but once again, it was just like making her skin 
look whiter than what it is. And then they put a white wig on top of her and had her wearing white clothing for her costume. So like, it's not super over the top, but it's like just slightly more immersive. So they're like trying to tell a story. Yes. They're not just like playing a game. They are playing a game, but they're telling like, I feel like with all the professional ones, they are telling a story, but it's an improvised story, if you will. So like counting on, I still think it's like, you know, counting on the decisions that they make throughout it. It still affects the outcome of the game. Like, a good example, there was actually a couple of times. I don't know. I, so maybe this is the skeptic in me. But, like, it's a pen and paper thing. Like, it's not that hard to script. Yeah. And, like, if they're putting that much production value behind it, they're probably going to script specific things to happen so that it's more shocking or funny. I feel like there are certain things, like, it's nothing that's, like, very... It's not something that's, like, super black and white. It's something that, like, there is a previous episode that something happened. And so, like, something else happened in this episode because of something that they did, like, three or four episodes back. So it still is improvised. It still is, you know, it's not yeah, also, hard to for it, but there is like but also the DM is. But the DM also has a lot of control, too. Right. So, I mean, you don't yeah. really necessarily have to script anything if you have a really good DM who kind of is yeah. knowing what the players are going to do in certain situations, because the DM technically is writing the script. He's just playing off of the velocity of the players. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like improvised script writing in a weird way, if you want to look at it that way. But it's just certain, like, uh, they know that, like, a certain thing is going to happen and uh, they have an idea, at least, of how, you know, they're going to react to it. But, like, it does feel like it is more scripted than something like Critical Role is. Or, like, if, you know, just a bunch of friends playing D&D together, it does feel more scripted than that. But it doesn't feel, like, completely scripted, if that makes sense. It feels like, you know, they wanted... Like, you know, this is the situation that happens now. Improvise off of this uh, situation that I threw you guys into is what it feels like. Okay. Yeah, that's literally DMing. You guys have done, like, and this stuff before, right? You guys know how, like, a DM does it. That's that's just just literally built into the game is that that kind of that kind of script there's even there's even books you can play scenarios so you already have a script that you that you kind of wind around like it doesn't have to be like like some kind of secretive you know uh, (laughs) backdoor uh, narrative building that's it's it's literally just what a dm does and also to be said i feel like the dm that they have for the vampire the masquerade that i'm watching is probably one of the better ones just because like they're gonna Google this really quick just to make sure that I'm not talking out of my ass. But um, they got Jason Carl to uh, be their DM, which I guess he's just called a storyteller for that. But um, uh, I'll pull up his Wikipedia. Why not? Uh, as far if I remember correctly, he's the CEO of White Wolf. So he's one of the guys who helped create Vampire the Masquerade. So if anyone's going to be good at being a storyteller for this medium, it's going to be him. Yeah, so he already has a strong sense of of game design and how he has a very strong sense of what this is supposed to be. But also, be fair, like uh, with like with Vampire the Masquerade, there's not a whole lot of combat scenarios because it's mostly in a weird. It's a political drama with vampires, is basically what it is. And so there's a lot more storytelling to it than there is like you know, like all right, you guys are in a room with the werewolf, roll initiative kind of ideas. DMing is fucking hard. It, it, it's not from what something. I've heard, it seems like it would be a very hard thing to do. Like, I guess another good example of that with uh, Critical Role and them having like well over 200 episodes out at this point and like each episode going between like three to five hours long uh, at, with just the second one, like the they're on episode. They just finished episode 99 of uh, the second 
yeah, of the second campaign for Critical Role. And apparently Matthew Mercer, the guy who's doing their DM for this, apparently has done like over 7,000 characters just for the second campaign. And yeah, the look that you're giving me right now, that's the look that he had whenever he did that. He's like, oh my God, no wonder I have a hard time sleeping. You did this to me! Like, kind of reaction to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I can see why you like it, but it, I don't. I yeah. I just I feel like I couldn't get into it. And yeah, it's one of those things that's fair. Like I, I'm literally the only person out of my friends that is that I know of that's into this sort of things. Like even the people that I talk to that are into tabletop games, like even they don't listen to this kind of stuff. So like it's one of those I like it, but I understand if other people don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I I do like it. It's just it's the time. Honestly, you put in so much time and into yeah. those 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 kind of um campaigns that it's absolutely ridiculous it's uh that's that's the one thing i don't like is is how much time it takes to do it yeah like i guess a good example the only tabletop experience that i really have is i had a friend who i played warhammer with for a while there and whenever i'd go over to his house for me and him to go play like i was there for like eight or nine hours just like setting everything up and getting uh, all the miniatures set up and then playing the actual game and then tearing all of it down. And like, we didn't even have a co- cohesive storyline to what we were playing with Warhammer. We were just, you know, basically playing chess with dice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Sam says in chat, I wouldn't find it interesting to listen to people play. And like, that's where I'm at. Like it's, it's fun to play, but like I couldn't listen or watch people play that especially for like that amount of time. And I think for me, what helps with it is because like, you know, it's one of those, I, because of the kind of work that I do, like if I had your kind of job, I couldn't listen to that stuff because I'd have to like, if someone came up and talked to me or if I had to, you know, go do something that I had to be paying attention to more or less, which I have to pay attention to what I'm doing. Don't get me wrong. But like, since it's a rinse and repeat kind of job that I have and probably for at least six, six to seven hours, of me doing my job. I don't talk to anybody. I'm just sitting in front of a machine and running parts. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, deburring them and measuring them and stuff like that. Like I have a lot of time where I'm just kind of sitting in my head. And so like just listening to a long play story kind of helps that day go by faster. And so I, I think mean, that's another reason why I like it. I would look at it like this. <clears throat> like I wouldn't play tabletop games with strangers, me personally. But if I'm playing a tabletop game with two other people, that means that for 40 minutes, if it's all equal, like if the time is all equal for everyone, for 40 minutes, I'm watching other people play, right? So for me, that that part's not the biggest deal because I usually, what I really enjoy is just whatever community I'm a part of. So it's more important for me to find the right people to play with because I'm right. literally going to be how how enjoyable they are as just people to be around is going to dictate what that game is going to be because there is going to be most of the chunk of my time is going to be watching other people play even if i'm playing that's Um, true actually you make a good point yeah (laughs) but i think it's also one of those things you get people who are very compatible with each other and can actually make a cohesive good storyline together then it makes it more enjoyable and i think for me that's what it is for me i i feel like it's good storytelling for both of those which is why i enjoy listening to them yeah, that's fair. Uh, have you been doing anything else, or is that kind of it? R- Robbie? Uh, that's mostly it. Just like <laughs> listening to that, uh, playing video games whenever I have a chance to play the, play my video games, and then like working. Besides that, I guess I've been going to the gym more often, so I'm trying to get back into shape. But 
yeah. we'll see how well or how long that goes. I'm trying to keep myself. I think me actually mentioning it here is like one way of me trying to keep myself moving forward with it and actually like trying to get back into shape. So like if you're not doing it, people can fat shame you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're going to fat shame me anyway, so I might as well try to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I was going to call you fat no matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the day that I finally like because no matter how skinny or how fat I've gotten, you've always like stayed about like 50 pounds behind me. So I think the day that I actually weigh less than you is the day that you start fat shaming me. Um, no, see, cause like <laughs> I used to fat shame Rocky cause that was funny. Cause he was like a bigger, he wasn't like fat, fat, but he was like, he had some chubby on him Yeah, and then he got really skinny. So now I can't fat shame him cause I'm the chubby one now. That's and not true. We're probably the same. Deep... We're probably the same weight now. I don't know. Maybe. I've gained some weight, man. But need some of that fat again? <laughs> <laughs> Fatty. <laughs> 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 Probably the secret is just literally not to give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can give two shits about what other people say about my weight, but I think it's just like me. Like one good example is like uh, I, whenever me and Jill went to San Diego together, and her cousin decided like he thought that I was gonna freeze my ass off, and he didn't realize how cold the climate was here. But he asked me in the middle of December to go jump into the ocean, and I was just like, all right, fuck it, why not? And so like I went and I, I. got trunks and like stripped down right there in the middle of the beach, like oh, to where I was just wearing the trunks and I ran into the ocean and jumped into it and then like just let the waves carry you back onto shore. And I think I stood out there on the beach soaking wet in about 60 degree weather for probably about two hours and I was fine with it. But <laughs> I'm used to the weather here in Colorado. So like jumping into the ocean in the middle of December in San Diego is pretty similar to like jumping into the Rio Grande River in Del Norte like in the middle of June for me, because even in the middle of June, that water is freezing. It is. I just, I also just want to point out that that story uh, ended the best way possible. It could have ended so much worse. Yeah, but... It could have been. And I took down, I took off all my clothes and I jumped in the ocean. And it was so cold. I couldn't react at all. And so <laughs> they eventually had to get a boat and save me. <laughs> I mean, for the way that the tide was going, like no matter how deep I got into the ocean, like I actually went about neck deep and then I lifted my legs up and it just threw me back onto the shore <laughs> sometimes tide does the opposite sometimes it drags yeah ass and in. i've heard a story like the first time that i went in i went in maybe about waist deep and it just threw me back into the uh threw me back onto the shore and so like i got a little bit braver and went about neck deep and then it threw me back onto the shore so and it was one of those things i've heard of cases of people being carried out by the tide but that just apparently i didn't go far out into the ocean enough to get carried out <laughs> it just pushed me right back onto the shore but the point I was trying to make with that story, anyways, was uh, they took a picture of me with or of me and Jell standing next to each other uh, while we were uh, on the beach, and I like just looked at myself without a shirt on. I, like that's all I could think of was like, I need to do something about this. So I can care less <laughs> Dude, what other people say, but because I, I am at myself, in the same boat, man, I fucking yeah. I have a lot of vanity, so I'm like, I can't, I can't. I was in my prime just a year and a half ago. I can't be this. So yeah, I'm in I'm in the same boat, man. I'm trying to. Trying to I exercise too. I really don't wrong. care about the. I mean, no, we're fucking yeah. bull, bulldozing our way into our thirties. The prime's gone, but shit, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to spend the next <laughs> ten years being a fucking. You know what I mean? I don't want to do that. So I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I don't really care about the fat shaming. It's more just as like you said, looking at yourself in the mirror. You're like, come on, man. I I did yeah. you see and the way I is, used is to like... look? 
<laughs> looking in the mirror like this I really is some bullshit you I, I think <laughs> it, it is kind of one of yeah. those things like people will say whatever they want to say but apparently I'm saying worse things about myself than other people are saying to me so this is me trying to do something about that I am the first person to say looks are not important and then fucking double back around like oh god I'm getting fat I gotta do something about this <laughs> <laughs> also, so. Sam in chat says you used to fat shame me too. I never fat shamed you, Sam. I skinny you shamed you. You fucking fat shamed everybody, Dry. You're just a fucking horrible person. Is what you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of easy for Dry in high school because, like, let's be fair, you were super fucking skinny in high school. Like, what were you like five ten and hundred and twenty pounds soaking wet? Yeah, it was awful. I used to, Sam also says in the chat you used to call me Hammy. Did I actually call you Hammy? Did I do that? I, yes. If you ever called, you called you Hammy, everybody I think Hammy, it was like whenever we were small children. <laughs> you you once said that what's up, fat bitch? Being... That's literally was your joke, fat bitch. <laughs> like that was like that was like the apex of your humor. So it's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I'll, I'll tell the story. I did fat shame my sister once, but it wasn't like a purposeful fat shame. It was because, like, when she was pregnant with my nephew, she was constantly going on about how fat she was. She's like, oh, I'm so fat. And I kept on, Jess, you're not fat, you're pregnant. She's like, No, but I'm fat. I've gained so much weight. Yeah, you're carrying a small human being in you right now. I think about seven months into her pregnancy, I finally snapped because she called herself fat. And so I started poking her in the stomach going, yeah, fatty, fatty, fat, fat. Want some chocolate fatso? Like just kept on like poking her and calling her like just fat shaming her all the shit. And like she, that made her laugh at least because like I, I hope it made her feel like <laughs> ridiculous without it. But I think that's the only time I've ever really fat shamed someone. <laughs> I think I've done that before where like someone is so into like their own fucking shit and you're trying to get them out and then you're like well if i double down into their own shit we can really see if they get pissed or not if they want to be there yeah, or exactly. if they're just yeah i i, I know Which, i've i've it, it's gone both ways like there's sometimes they'll laugh and be like all right all right yeah i see what you're getting at and then there's other times like you fucker like, <laughs> yeah it does it's pretty great <laughs> yeah there's just some people who are just so deep in it you're not gonna pull them out so you may as well just go back around and maybe you could piss them piss them off enough where they chase you out of it. I don't man, know. You are so you're rough on your you're, end. You're, you're breaking up a lot on your yeah. end, man. Aw, oh, damn. Well, well, we'll see if that fixes it. I got. I put the mic closer to my face. It says you left the chat. Yeah, it says you left the chat. And, and now you're back. it says you're back in the chat. <laughs> yeah, so I, I so think your internet just is shitty, doing something yeah. weird. Shitty connection. <laughs> Which is the... It is another thing me and Dry were talking about before we uh, actually even started the podcast today was uh, how I thought I pissed off my service provider at some point in time because since I work night shift, uh, my like I was uh, listening to Game Grumps out of all things and just like listening to dumb jokes that they were making while they were doing their uh, gameplay and like my internet just completely shut off like I had no cell service whatsoever and so I tried restarting my phone. And it just gave me like that, you know, that circle with the cross going through it saying like, you got nothing right now. <laughs> and I looked at my, uh, I was like, well, maybe like, even though I pay for unlimited, I feel like I probably just went over. Cause I know that even though they say unlimited, there's still that, that cap before they start like slowing down your speeds to a crawl. And I, I felt like that was them saying like, all right, you're done. You're fucking done until the end of the month kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, cause I looked at like how much data I used. I had used 43 gigabytes 
on my service, just like listening to shit at work. That is insane. But yeah, you know, like six hours of YouTube a day will do that when you're just using your cell phone provider. It's true. That's true. But it just, I just kind of have like that attitude, like, oh, I'm paying for unlimited. I'll use it whatever the fuck I want kind of thing. And then I just had like that moment of like, oh, I think I pissed them off. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like my service provider like walked in my room and like, what the fuck is this? I just I just like the idea of just people behind like a computer like, fuck, fuck this. This, this was a bad policy. We got to fuck fucking. It's not. For, it's not. Then there's this guy who fucking just. God damn it. I'm cutting him off. Yeah, I'm fuck fucking it. cutting done. him off. No, no, he's done. <laughs> Jim, you can't just cut off people's services. No, I'm done. I'm fucking done with this guy. This is bullshit. What would you, you have done, Robbie? Six hours a day. What would you have well, done if, that... like, the next day, there's, like, a message that just goes out to the public, like, due to the abuse of certain users, you know who you are, <laughs> we're canceling this service. <laughs> uh, I would be doubling down on it so much. Like, oh, so I disrupted a billion-dollar corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, like, a CEO? This fucking guy, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> fucking six hours? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> That's what it felt like, but I think it's because I just like naturally have like a guilty conscience. So like whenever somebody whenever something bad happens, I kind of just like did I do something wrong? Kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh so Rocky. Yo. Have you been watching anything lately? Um uh, let's see. I don't think so, actually. I don't know if there's anything new. I watched a little bit of this, uh, was it Midnight Gospel on Netflix? I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's it's kind of like... That like, just looks like a huge psychedelic trip. It is. It's, it's, like a, it's like a podcast for like new age philosophy slash spiritualism. And then the people who talk, they, uh, they fit that into like a... Uh, TV theme and sometimes I'll deviate from the conversation to talk about what's going on in that theme. So it's like a podcast mixed with like a, a TV show. And yeah, it's, you know, it's it's interesting. It's really not my jam. Um, it's not something that I get a lot of stimulation from. But I checked that out a little bit. But other than that, I, I don't think so. I don't think it I've really seen a... anything. Amazon show called Lore, which I haven't watched it. I actually learned about what it was because of Sam, because I asked her if she had watched the show yet. Um, turns out it's a podcast, and they literally just take the podcast, and then they shoot uh, small visuals around like this 15-minute well-produced podcast about the story, and that's it. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm becoming a, an, a thing to do. Having more of like it's a free-flow discussion. Yeah, and it's cool, but you you really got to find a discussion that you like. And I mean, I'm just not into the the. I think when I was younger, I would have been more into like the the new age spiritualist uh, philosophy thing. But I think I don't find it as stimulating now. I'm not saying it's because I'm fucking old and mature. I'm not saying that it's just like you know you just change <laughs> as a person. I'm not saying one was yeah. better than the other. It's just it's just something that I kind of uh, deviated from. And so it's not, it's not, well, no. it hasn't been very stimulating for me. Yeah. I feel like it's very easy to say that like what we found entertaining at the age of 15 is very different than what we find entertaining now at almost the age of 30. Yeah. Because all three uh, of us the, are pushing but, 30 at this point. Yeah. The illusion is that, 
that you're like on a like a higher level of taste your your taste could have completely plummeted and now you just like trash things because it's it brings you peace or something i don't know so that's what i, I, I right. that's the only point i would push if, if that's your thing i'm not saying that i grew out of it i'm just saying consider it like growing sideways i just grew into something else and not i didn't grow up i grew sideways i, I just who i am now that? doesn't isn't stimulated by that kind of stuff it's just what it is so fuck you if you're offended right. sam in Sam in chat says 30 dot 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 sounds awful. And you're right, Sam. Being 30 seems like it's the end of the world. Uh, can you speak on that a little bit? What, what's, <laughs> what's the end of the world like on your end? <laughs> it's okay. She's past that end of the world part. So she's on oh. to the beyond. Oh, okay. She says it's okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I guess uh, one thing that I did watch is I, I think I told you about that. The show 100 Humans wherever they got like a hundred people to do all these different, uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get all these different other uh, things. Uh, one thing that they did is they actually, um, split all of them up by age. They had like the, tw- the 20 somethings, the 30 somethings, the 40 somethings, uh, the, all right, no, the, uh, tw- uh the twenties and youngers. Cause I think like the young- youngest one there was like maybe 19 or 20 and then the thirties to forties and then the 50 to sixties, I think, or no, it was actually yeah twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties or anything. And they, uh, took them all based on age and they had them try all these different things to see like who has the best outlook on life and like who who's doing the best and it was this weird curve to where like the 20s were like the most useful and like the most you know living their life but then it dipped down and then went back up so like it's one of those like you hit this pit almost like this pit of despair of like in your 30s to where like you're not exactly you know, you're an adult, but you're not exactly great at your craft or what you're doing. And uh, you're not exactly sure what you're doing with yourself. And you're just like fried all the time from working and um, dealing with kids and life in general and stuff like that. And then when you go to like your fifties and sixties and start to retire and start to get more sleep and like, you start to figure out like, you know, more of who you are as a person and like, know what your skill set is and know what you're good at and like, know who By you the are. Fifties and sixties? Your, your life starts to go up. Really? That's a really long time to have to wait. That's to get good fucking at forever. Well, no, that's fucking it, dead. It's, it's it's almost like it, it, what they're basically saying is like you're really happy. It's like you're really happy in your twenties, but then like that happiness starts to fade whenever you get down, and then like you're kind of in this weird pit of despair in your thirties, and then it starts to go up after that. Like when you get to your forties, I got you. I got you. Become happier and more content what? as a person. So once what you're the system, I need to do whatever I can to not kill myself when I turn thirty. Yes. It sounds like once the system spits you out, then you actually start <laughs> feeling like a human. Is what you're telling. This probably isn't fucking yeah. some like deep human experience. This is probably just our shitty system. <laughs> you're only feeling good when you're on your way out. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by your end of the you're probably well, like it's shit. Also, one of those things like I'm trapped. And then your 30s is like, yeah, I'm fucking really trapped. I'm not really good at this whole system thing. It's almost like it wasn't really made for me. My year in 50s and 60s, you're like, well, fuck, I'm out. I'm out this motherfucker. And then your 50s, you're like, oh, I'm getting out of the system. And it it is like one of those weird things of where, like, in your 20s, you're fine. And then, like, it starts to get worse. And then after it gets to, like, a rock bottom, in a sense, in, like, your 40s, it gets better. Like, that's the weird graph that they showed it. On it, it was it was interesting. That's, that's the time all your dreams have died. It's about your forties. <laughs> fair, fair. You're far enough in for everything to have failed, but not far enough in to think you can't succeed again. But you're just right in that pit. 
Yeah, yeah. Forties is like this is it's over. Not My life is over, and I, I'm still <laughs> I, here. I still yeah, I'm still here. Show. I what do I do? That was yeah. That, that was literally just and one episode. Fifties and sixties is like I'm getting closer to the end, but now I can do whatever I want. I don't have to go to the same fucking job after. You know how hard it'd be after all your dreams have died to then go to the same fucking job. That's what forties is probably. probably. Yeah. So that's why fifties and sixties feel so good. <laughs> You might not be wrong. <laughs> oh, this is enlightening. <laughs> A whole enlightening, wow, everything sucks moment. Sam, I, I was miserable in my 20s and I'm miserable in my 30s. So, I don't know. Well, there, Sam beat the system. She's kept it stable. I don't, and, and it, <laughs> Everyone else is fucking dive bombing. I mean, in a weird way, I was... <laughs> Sam's keeping that boat fucking even. I was miserable in my teens. I was miserable in my 20s. And, like, now that I'm getting closer to my 30s, I'm actually feeling better about life in a weird way. There you go. Oh, uh, yeah, it's getting a little bit easier for me. Yeah. To be honest with you. But it's mostly because I looked around and I've just started being like, fuck this. Like I've literally just started looking around, watching what everyone's doing, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck this. I, uh, I'm gonna." <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm gonna go a little bit weird. I don't know, man. It's just I it's feel just like I feel like we get sold a lot of bullshit. Yeah, just fuck it, man. This, just fuck it. Just, <laughs> but I'll, I feel like we've been sold a lot of bullshit about like how to act as humans and what we the ought to. I call us like the ought to generation. We feel a lot of well, I ought to. Oh, I should have. Oh, like you said, Robbie, oh, is, it, is it my fault that this is? It's just, just fuck it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I think another thing, it's just something that I remember reading on social media out of all things, but like it kind of it hit home in a weird way is like the weird thing about our generation is that we were taught to live in a world that no longer exists. And I think that's one of the hardships that we're kind of dealing with is like, you know, we learned from our parents who grew up from the 60s to the 80s. Uh, generation like you know they had a set way of how they did things but then things changed dramatically within our lifetime to where like now that we're grown up and we're supposed to learn these things and know these certain things those things th those certain ideals no longer apply to our world and so it's because of how everything's changing and it c causes a weird sense of chaos for us to live in to like you know basically like I said live in a world that are uh, to live in a world that um is very different than the world that we were taught to learn or taught to believe in. Yeah, there, there's probably a little bit of that. I um, I go by the philosophy to just all all the rules that like, hey, this is how everybody functions is what you need to do. Toss it out and then just work from scratch. What works for you to make your life happy? And if, for instance, being a, a hard, for instance, like like for me when when I work. I, I, I'm not a very social person. I prefer to focus on the job and just get it done. And that brings me satisfaction, right? I don't like uh, being told what to do by authority figures. So I, I tend to clash and I'd feel very guilty about it. But I've accepted that, no, I'm just the kind of personality that, that likes taking as much control of my workspace as I can. And uh, I should find situations where I can do that as opposed to constantly putting myself in situations where I have to suppress that, that aspect of me. And also not to f put myself in positions where I have to force that on others. There's all kinds of jobs where you can, for instance, you know, work in your own space, you know. And that's, that's kind of just whatever. Just throw out all the bullshit and start from scratch. And you'll, you'll eventually find your own patterns for, 
for how you prefer to do things. And you don't have to feel bad about it. It's because none of us fucking chose to be the fucking messed up creatures that we are. We didn't fucking go through like a book of fucking complex. Like, oh, yeah, this one. That's the one for me. <laughs> fucking paranoia on Saturdays, depression? man. Well, what's sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody fucking chose, right? But, but I feel like our generation gets this like, we're like, oh, God, I'm so fucked up. And I should be really fucking bad, feel bad about that because that's not how I'm supposed to. Well, yeah, but just throw out the fucking supposed to be and just fucking look at the universe like, hey, you fucking made me. You fucking, <laughs> I don't know what this you is. This is your fault, you're an atheist, universe. This, like, this, is, this is evolution at work, man. Like, whatever. The, like, it's just the, the ought to, that the, how you're supposed to be is, in my opinion, the greatest enemy to mental health and just throw that out you can entirely live in a way that's very coexistent to your surrounding without having to compromise uh your tendencies to such extremes you know and that's that's that is a motto that has i think brought me a lot of peace that is a good way to look at it. Just throwing out a lot of those concepts. Yeah, it's it works. I think I don't have to. I don't have to worry about. I think if you really were to melt that down into a single phrase, um, fuck it. I think is <laughs> yeah. right. Yep. That's perfect. Fuck it. Honestly, <laughs> it is. It's fuck it. Just fuck it. I am done trying to to live inside of some imaginary framework. I'm already on board. I need to fucking support myself and. You know, like I, I, I have coworkers who don't fucking like to work, but they still need the job. And I used to get pissed. I was like, "Why the fuck are you not working? I'm working. They just don't fucking, they don't fucking want to. I couldn't imagine going to a job and then just not doing things that entire time. That's just not who I am. Right. If it's who they are, fuck it. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to do the fucking job anyway. Just fucking give me space. That's all I ask. Right. Just fuck it, man. Whatever. If you can fucking swing a job without yeah, doing shit it. and that's, and you feel comfortable, fuck it. Just fuck it. Like, Whatever. I'm not judging you. Do what you got to do. I, I did. That's, I that's, literally I did that all yesterday. There was an hour and 15 minutes. I just didn't have anything to do, so I just didn't. Yeah, fuck it. Was it. Great. Just, I get a weird you know, sense of anxiety. Like, oh, I was going to say, I actually get a weird I sense of anxiety. If, uh, I, oh, can you hear me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was just Check really silent first. Like you got, okay. well, <laughs> I didn't want to cut you guys off on accident, so I just shut up really quick. I was gonna say, I think I get a weird sense of anxiety if I'm not doing something at work, because like, and I think I may have gotten that from my last job because they're very like, if you're like, I, I've worked with too many people who had that mentality. If you if you have time to lean, you have time to clean kind of mentality. So you should always be doing something at work. And because of that, it kind of rubbed off on me. So if I'm just kind of standing around at work, I get a little bit of anxiety because I feel like I should be doing something. And if I'm not doing something, then eventually, like, you know, supervisor is going to come and tell me I need to be doing something kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I also feel that same way. But at the same time, I was literally doing nothing with my boss. So it was fine. Yeah, it was great. And it's one of those like, <laughs> there you go. The person who was going to be able to tell me to go do something was sitting there talking about The Last of Us with me. So... Yeah, and I feel like that's a whole different that's situation. Awesome. Like if I was sitting with my supervisor or with my boss and just chatting with them, uh, like while I was on my work hours, I'd probably feel better about it too. But yeah. I actually kind of got into that with um, the person who does a quality control at work. But uh, we just started talking about life and stuff like that. And I was telling her about how I have a bad sense of luck because uh, apparently like, 
without going into too much detail, uh, I had a tool fail on me. And what happened is it like just slightly slipped out of its holder. And since like literally some of the uh, dimensions that I have to hold are like the width of a human hair. Um, whenever it slips out, just like, you know, a couple thousandths of an inch, it's enough to like kind of mess up the whole process. And so I ended up, uh, and apparently it happened like just at the very beginning of my shift. And like, we thought it might've happened to the guy that was working before me and we checked his parts and apparently all of his parts were fine. It just messed up as soon as I started working on it. I'm like, oh, that's bad luck. And I told him like, yeah, well, I actually got arrested once because somebody else stole shoes. So that's just kind of my, that's just kind of me. I have bad luck. And like, what? And like, I had to explain that story to her of like how, uh, which I guess I didn't technically get arrested. I was detained. I was read my Miranda rights and told I wasn't allowed to leave. I wasn't put in cuffs and I wasn't put in a jail cell. I was just surrounded by cops and told I wasn't allowed to leave and interrogated for an hour over shoelaces. <laughs> you know, they don't have anything better to do. Fuck a- it. Apparently not. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that was their job. Just... They got paid to sit there and uh, convince themselves that I stole shoelaces and I should uh, have to go to court over it. And I did. I ended up having. To go and to- sometimes people people deviate so much with the fuck it that they do some serious trespass trespasses on the rest of everyone in society, and then society goes, "Yeah, fuck them." And then they, you know, they do that. They go, "Fuck them." <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of where we're at at this point in a, at least our society. Yeah, it it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? It it works. If if someone does too much to you, fuck them. And if don't don't worry about life so much, just just fuck it, dude. <laughs> also, here's another thing that I think about. I feel like people already have like a built-in moral compass. Like most people know when the line is for them. They know like when they will legitimately hate themselves if they cross that line. Yeah. Right? Like everyone has things that they're just not going to do. I definitely know where my line is. You know what I mean? Just like like morally like things that I actually I actually care about. I mean the difference is you just cut the things that you're supposed to care about but you don't actually care about or you can't do or whatever the fuck. Just cut that shit off. Yeah. And don't worry about that anymore. I think for me like half of my moral compass has to do with how bad my luck is. Because if I do something I'm not supposed to be doing, chances are I'm going to pay for it in some way, shape, or form. It has. You're a strong believer in karma. Yes, because <laughs> I have seen it work both in my life and in other people's lives. And there's other. There, that being said, there are some people like consciously attract those situations, though. Because maybe because established for yourself. Yeah, I have seen other situations that that's how of it like is. somebody doing something super fucked up or super illegal, and they get away with it. Like I've seen those situations too, but I've also seen other situations where karma hits really hard. And sometimes it actually like hit, like for me, like either karma hits or like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to say I have a victim mentality, but like sometimes like bad shit just happens around me. (laughs) And there's like, it's nothing that I did. It just happened. Like a good example is like whenever my car got totaled because someone, because someone's axle came out of their car and my car got totaled and I had to fight with an insurance company for nine months over it. Jesus Christ. So like that was uh, that like, that is wrong. yeah, I was going to say like, I don't think I did anything wrong to deserve that kind of fate. It just, you know, shit happened kind of mentality. Yeah. You know what I say? Yeah. Now? But you also don't want to start building your, yeah. Fuck yeah, it. Fuck it. Right? it shit it. happens. New so spiritualism. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's literally the, if it, honestly, if you, if you dive into spiritualism enough, it really just comes down to one big fuck it. It doesn't really <laughs> fucking matter where you go. There is, there is a very deeply, this is a fucking joke. Fuck it. Like, there's like that's that's kind of the gist. But honestly, Robbie, it's it, it also is like 
even if you have bad luck, do you want to build like that much anxiety? Like you have to do things because it's going to go bad. I mean, why don't you just let things go bad sometimes? Fuck it. I mean, sometimes I have, but like it just counts in the situation. I I think. Like, but that situation oh, lets like enough. a whole big other, th- a whole big other set of fuck ups down the line. But <laughs> that's a whole big long story no, anyway. True. So like, I guess that's neither <laughs> here nor there. You might just actually have really bad luck. Yeah, I I, I, I do <laughs> this believe is not a good system for you. For me, I do believe that I have bad luck, but it also like like we just said, it falls under that system of shit happens, so fuck it kind of mentality. And you know what, Robbie, if you don't take the fuck it system, like if you decide it's not for you, fuck it. That's how I see it. Fuck it. It's not for Robbie. <laughs> Bill's fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if it's not for you, it's not for you. You know, if that's if you can't afford to to deviate that that much, I I'm, I get it, man. If it's just you know, if your luck's really that bad, I mean, fuck, I I don't control luck. I don't even. Yeah, but I think that's fucking, I'm too oblivious of my world to even know what my luck's like. Well, it's and probably... yeah, that's the thing is like I think it's because like times that I have fucked up and then I had to pay for it sometime down the line. I had people reminding me that I fucked up that entire time too. So I think that it kind of guides my moral compass of like whenever I look at a situation, like do I want to deal with the consequences of this action? Like that kind of is something that goes in the back of my mind whenever those situations happen. But. I mean, Sam jokes about that with like the bills, fuck them. Kids, don't fuck them. Responsibilities, fuck them. But people have. Don't fuck them. <laughs> but uh, people do have kind of that moral compass of that too. Like whether it's, you know, someone who. Like some people don't pay bills. Some people live, live with other people so they don't have to pay bills kind of thing. And like some people, yeah. like, you know, they it, don't want it, kids. It really comes down to what you care about. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's it'd be very hard for me to not tend to my to the things that I do feel responsible for. Um, but there's other people that they just don't they don't feel that same way. If they don't feel it, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Make them feel it? Yeah. I like not be around them. That's usually what I choose to do. I don't I don't like to be around very frivolous people because I, I there is I do I, I I don't know. It's, it's there's, there's certain aspects of it that I don't really clash well with no i understand but that it's just it's it's to the individual you know what if do you find someone who doesn't give a fuck about bill first off no one gives a fuck about bills they give a fuck about the things that paying bills gives them right so i mean that's that's the truth no one's like oh god i can't wait to fucking pay these bills but like yeah <laughs> i really don't want to not have electricity right I really as long like as it. i care about the thing more than i hate the bills then we're good as once that changes then fuck that bill I'm not paying that anymore because I don't give a fuck enough to keep that thing. Yeah. If buying a shitload of candles costs less than paying for the lighting bills, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah, if if that works for you. I just like pushing a switch and the lights come on. No work. It's nice for me. (laughs) No effort. That's the that's the whole that's the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's no effort there. It's the creature comforts and what you're willing to do to keep those creature comforts. Yeah. But in order to wrap this back around to uh, media in some way, um, full circle on that. Um, Trying to, at least. Yeah. So July 17th is when theaters will be reopening. Um, I will not be attending as much as I would really love to go and see a movie. I won't be doing it. There's no movie in the world that is worth me uh, maybe dying for. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. So they'll be opening July 17th. And 
they'll be opening with old movies. So it's going to be Into the Spider-Verse and uh, Inception. And the first Wonder Woman. That's what's going to be in theaters to start with because the new movies are afraid to start it off, basically. Right. Um, so much so that Mulan and Tenet had been, con- had been getting pushback all year long. They were supposed to have a solid release date at the end of July. And today they just got pushed back two more weeks again. They're movies that are just never going to come out. It's not going to happen. It, it, somebody was actually making a joke about that, about how it's kind of like a, oh, social distancing is working. Let's all gather up together. Now we're all sick again. Everybody are, everybody go away. Oh, our, our social distancing is working. And it becomes like this whole big cycle. And then like somebody made the joke of like, Tenet coming out May 13th, 2029. Yeah, it, it's a, it kind of feels that way at this point. It, it kind of does. Like that's definitely going to be a movie that is meant for the theater. And there's no way that most people are going to be able to see that movie in the theater. Like, there's just no way, which is depressing. Yeah. Because I want to see that movie in the theater. Yeah, it looks like an interesting movie. It is very, very Christopher Nolan in like the best way possible. And it makes me want to watch it. Yeah, that man loves to fuck with his time. Yeah. But yeah, so um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that? Who knows if theaters are even actually going to open or not? Hopefully. We'll see. But- we'll see. But also, I guess another thing, because I was talking about like a little how the movie that we just watched, how like there's little snippets of other movies that it kind of reminded me of, too, Mm -hmm. with that, like uh, kind of uh, whenever you're talking about how you need to have like some sense of hope or some sense of comedy or something to kind of like lighten the mood a little bit because of movies like Let Me Make You a Martyr, which was a Shudder movie. And like it's a horror movie in the sense that it's just terribly, terribly depressing the entire way through and like in a realistic way or I guess some ways and realistic some ways it is kind of you know movie style horror right they make some very odd decisions in that movie without me spoiling too much about it but like the movie is very very depressing up until like the very end of it okay and counting on how you interpret that ending even the ending's depressing on it and like it kind of goes to the point of like there's no sense of hope to it because of how depressing it is and then are how it makes it to where like it's makes it to where in horror movies you need that sense of lightness or you need that sense of comedy or that sense of like a hopefulness to kind of hold on to with yeah. it or like I said even like the weird terrible movies like shrooms because how they kept on saying like oh yeah it's mushrooms that's causing people to do all this and then there's actually <laughs> a movie uh a movie called shrooms about a mushroom that makes you kill people fuck it yeah fuck it <laughs> <laughs> write the movie get a check ah that's what some it's a fucking good philosophy. It bring a lot of people peace of mind. They just went with it. <laughs> I'm I'm a believer. I'm in. I'm all the way in. Yeah, man. I I, I got you into the the church of fuck it. I got to <laughs> I'll, I'll wheel Robbie in. He has a lot of he has a lot of self doubt and exi- anxiety. But we'll we'll get him. There, there is a lot we'll of get him there. I'll give you the, that. Um, I understand life's fucking risky shit, man. Yeah. So I have another question for you guys. Are there any movies in the horizon that are on your radar? Or like movies on your watch list that you've been trying to like get to. There are a couple. Um, sadly enough, I still have Apostle on my watch list of movies that I want to watch. <laughs> that has been on your watch list since we started this podcast. Yeah, uh, the reason why is because I like walked in during the what the fuck moment whenever you were watching it, <laughs> and that made me want to watch it. Yeah, that's fair. And um, uh, another one of them is I kind of want to watch The Great Dictator just because, like I said, it has like that really meaningful speech at the end of it, but it's also like a Charlie Chaplin movie. So I'm guessing it's going to be like some dumb comedy of like, uh, misinterpreted identity of him being Hitler. That so, sounds about right. Yeah. Because you yeah. can joke around about shit like that in the forties. Cause like 
Well, I guess he could now too. Joke, but like, Jojo Rabbit came out last year. Yeah. You can still. Well, no, I was. Uh, I was going to say in the comparison of that with like S- Sasha Baron Cohen, Cohen making that movie, The Dictator, is basically his take on the Great Dictator, and like that movie, it, eh, it's it's an okay <laughs> comedy, I guess. And he kind of takes a lot of shots about how are like the only like redeemable moment in that entire movie is him taking shots at how America is in its core a dictatorship at the end of it basically and like calls them out for doing like a whole bunch of dictator like things in the government at the end of the movie yeah i mean it's basically what it's come down to yeah sam in chat says on her watch list is parasite uh if you need to watch that sam i can hook you up no problemo there yeah dry Uh, definitely has that movie and is definitely willing to watch it again (laughs) for it is a good movie you should add the whaling sam you should add the whaling yeah that was a i think we're into korean horror I mean, yeah, we've always has, we always have been. Yeah, that's true. Um, something that Rocky and Robbie, you two need to add to your watch list: Terror Vision. I will as soon as I can yeah. find a way to watch yeah. that movie. YouTube. That's how you. Have it's to do on it. HBO. No, it's not. It's on HBO now. Yes, it is. Terror Vision is. Yeah. Yes, it is. No, I am looking that up right now. Yeah. You you better you can pull that up on Hulu right now and watch it if you have a Hulu HBO love fest going on. I don't believe you. It's just you don't need to. Just need to trust me. Robbie's looking it up right now. If you're wrong, you owe me a dollar. Yeah. Uh, I am literally finding it. nowhere to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Other than you know like. Pi- like I guess not pirating it, but like watching it on. YouTube. I swear to God, I saw it on HBO because I was like, "Oh, that's the movie they watched." Terrorvision on Prime Video. This video is currently unavailable to watch in your location. I'm gonna pull my phone out. Really like, HBO. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm doing it too. Everybody, stop talking and look at your phone right now. <laughs> Listen to us type as we Google all of this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really just you because everybody else has their phone silenced out of respect, Robbie. Mine silenced. Rocky, you bastard. <laughs> no, 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 I'm here. I'll, I'll put that down. If I just had Hulu on my phone. Yeah, it's not there. Uh, Galaxy of Terror think. is on HBO, but it's not Terror Vision. Also, Terror at the Mall. Come on. Hulu. Also, Johnny Quest Terror Island. Terror in Resonance is on Hulu. <laughs> I love how quiet it got. <laughs> um, Voltron is on Hulu. A show just called Terror. Mm. That's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, I could swear Terror Vision is on HBO. Something that is on HBO that I should probably watch before they take it off of HBO is Joker. Yeah. Because you were telling fine. me that was a pretty good movie. Yeah. I mean, you should just watch Taxi Driver if you're given the choice between the two. But yeah. Um, I- I've seen Taxi Driver. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> uh another thing which i think like i need to rewatch just to make sure that it's as good as i remember it being but i think it'd be interesting to watch a movie called regarding henry on this podcast i've heard of it it is a uh harrison ford movie and it's yeah. kind of like a little weird slice of life movie that he made which i remember it being good but it's been a long time since i've watched it so i want to watch it again just to make sure that it is still a good movie uh, also, Apocalypse Now. That's something that's been on my watch list for fucking ever. You haven't seen Apocalypse that's Now? I have not. Wow, that seems like something you would have seen like a long time ago. Like it, when... it is up my alley because like there was a time in my life wherever like I was just watching a shit ton of Vietnam War movies. 
that's never gonna make you happy that's that's a bad time no. of your life if that's all you're watching yeah like, well it wasn't all i was watching but i watched a lot of them like because i remember like thinking about it like with some of the other because like whenever i i started thinking about that time in my life whenever i watched that movie come and see because like that movie is like a very gritty portrayal of world war ii and like the horrors that happened during world war ii and that made me think of like you know movies like platoon or hamburger hill or apocalypse now and like movies that deal with the horrors of the vietnam war and uh you know i don't like vietnam war movies and it's because they have a, a feel to them that i just don't like and it's kind of like like drug trip meets ptsd yeah, i of, just yeah. don't like the way that feels it just it feels very uncomfortable you know what i mean yeah that they're very purposely I mean, made that way yeah i think the <laughs> only one i could think of that yeah. may not be made that way is that movie dead presidents but the Vietnam War is just a staple of everything that happens afterwards in that movie, because like it deals with, you know, this, you know, a soldier coming home and, you know, tr getting a job as a meat cutter, basically, or as a butcher and then, you know, losing his job and like trying to find a way to like make money and like dealing with the fact that the are dealing with the fact that he's hated solely because he went to Vietnam and then having to do horrible things to, like, you know, try to uh, try to like tend to his family in a weird way. Like, but that movie is a. Uh, like I said, uh, they make jokes about it because like they made that joke in Half Baked, wherever, uh, yeah, wherever Scarface had uh, the white makeup with the black eyes. Because whenever they go and rob a bank at the end of that movie, uh, they paint their faces white and have their eyes blacked out. Okay. How? Never mind. I was gonna say how do we get there, but I remember now. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Vietnam War yeah. movies. Um, Rocky, do you have anything on your like watch list? Um, you know, nothing that like I feel I really, really need to watch right now. Things that I would like to watch in the future is I still like to watch Uncut Diamonds. I want to watch Blazing Set. I actually had a pause. I thought someone was going to say something about that, particularly you, Jariah. Um, nothing still, even as like, I'm I mean, you know my at, opinion. Okay, I don't think it was a good movie. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, that was a bad you... film with a bad actor who knows how to play one role, then he plays it badly because I just hate him as a human. <laughs> you couldn't just let me bring up the movie without you saying something. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blazing Saddles. I'd still like to see that. Um, Bone Tomahawk. That'd be cool. Yeah. There's a bunch of Halloween movies. The new, like, Michael Myers I haven't seen. You you haven't seen the new Halloween um, yet? I no, I haven't seen any of them. You, Ever since that first one Rob Zombie made, I haven't seen any since Well, then. there have only been two, because um, Rob Zombie did another one, and then the newest one that came out ignores all of the movies except for the first one. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to check out the rest of the Harry Potters. I was starting to dig after the second one. I was like, yeah, I could see. This world's kind of fun. That was that was, that was fun. Um Dude, there's all kinds of movies. If I actually think about it, there was a, uh, I think, Hail Caesar. I thought that looked pretty good. That one did look uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. That that's those are the stuff on the top of my head. If it's horror, there's a chance. I wanted to see the uh, one with Nicolas Cage, the Mandy, whatever. You would like Mandy? I think it might just be called Mandy. I want to see Mandy too. Yeah. Which I had a chance because like they used to have they had shutter on vrv and i had mandy on my list of things to watch and i just didn't watch it and then they took shutter off it's uh, on netflix i think that's how Is i it watched now? it um 
yeah, Rocky, you would really like Mandy. Um, I don't know how what your opinion is of partaking in drugs, but if you wanted to do that beforehand, I assume it would heighten that experience quite a bit. Um, or make it way worse, you depending know, on what drug you take. Well, I don't. I don't. Not a big fan because I'm already an ungrounded person, and then I just get way more ungrounded. So I feel like where people are like where they try to get to with with like something like a, a minor thing like weed as I'm kind of already partially at. So it really just makes me like very uncomfortable with how ungrounded I get. I'm not a big fan. That's fair. That's I don't fair. think I'd I'd appreciate it. Um yeah, Mandy's really good. Um Space Out of Color, I think is the other one that just came out with him. It's supposed to be pretty insane. The um, color of space? Color space, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Um there's the Oh isn't that uh HP Lovecraft? Yeah, yeah. it is. Color out of space? Yeah, I checked that out. That'd be good. Yeah, he's in that. Uh, it's supposed to be another really insane, trippy thing. Um, there was a horror movie that I saw the cover of yesterday when I was out shopping for movies in Entertain Mart. I was trying to find a physical copy of The Wailing, actually. Uh, couldn't find it anywhere. But I did see a cover of a movie called VFW, and it is an 80s grindhouse throwback of a bunch of really old movie stars uh and they play parts at a vfw and a punk rock group comes in trying to terrorize a woman and they're trying to rape her and then all of these seniors at a vfw have to kill all these punk people in horror uh gory fashion and it sounds like a really fun what dumb movie fuck? Huh. <laughs> that, that, that does sound that sounds like it has a weird implication behind it uh yeah it sounds really stupid and fun yeah. i really want to watch it I mean, also speaking of that, like a st- stupid, dumb, fun movies that kind of weirdly made me think of uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. It uh, from from what I understand, it gives me that kind of feeling. Yeah, I could never finish that movie. <laughs> I don't blame you. Like that's another one of those movies that I like, but I don't blame it if other people don't like it. I think the reason why I can enjoy that movie is because I cannot for half a second take that movie seriously. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like they, oh, they make some weird, dumb choices in that movie too. But I think it's like some of the implications behind it too, because like uh, with Hobo with the shotgun, there is legitimately a scene where they set a school bus full of children on fire in that movie. When you say they legitimately set a school bus full of children on fire, my mind thinks you mean they actually got a school. They bus literally full of children. killed all the children. No, I'm kidding. They didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they uh they set a school bus on fire with like a bunch of kids in there and like at, at the end to like show that like oh yeah he actually did kill all those kids like there's a probably like a 13 year old girl that has like you know makeup on her to make her look like a burn victim just like slamming on the window of the back of the school bus you use that word actually again <laughs> what i think you mean is in the movie the character kills literally but bus. figuratively <laughs> <God damn>. <laughs> <laughs> um if you guys are looking for something really, really stupid to watch on Netflix, um, there is a game show on there that you should check out. It reminds me of like Guts or like Double Dare that was used to be on Nickelodeon. It's called The Floor is Lava. It's really, really stupid and mindless, but uh, it's very much cheese whiz for the brain. Uh, what's a lower What's a lower grade of cheese whiz? Uh, sure, fine cheese whiz. Yeah, it's that for the brain. It's really dumb. 
But like, if you just want to like shut off your brain, it can be fun. Yeah. And like, whenever I say things like cheese was for the brain, I never mean that like in a derogatory term. I always mean that as like, it's just something you can shut your brain off and watch and enjoy for like an hour or something like that. Yeah. Sam in chat says looks dumb. It is dumb. It's really dumb. It's just an obstacle course. And there's a bunch of like lube that's painted red on the bottom of that. And if they fall in, then the floor is lava. You're not allowed to touch the lava. That's what it is. That's what the show is. So it's wipeout, but with red lube. Yep. Awesome. That's literally what it is. <laughs> the stakes are not high enough for me. I think they should take the lube off the floor and threaten the players that if they fall, they get lubed. <laughs> and I think that would <laughs> I think that would raise the stakes to a point where I would be invested. And I mean, I I, I need a game show host like Robbie who's like, you'll literally actually get lubed. And then when they when they question, he doubles back. I mean, figuratively, metaphorically, no, literally, in actuality. <laughs> it's actually really literally, but imaginary terror. And then they need someone that's really creepy looking that's like, prepare for the lobian. Hey, and then me. they get sent to a back. Yeah, well, no, it doesn't happen. Well, if you want, I don't know. It's your thing. Whatever, whatever you choose to do, Robbie. Um, whether I'm the creepy guy in the background, where to get lived, or whether I'm the game host that's saying literally, figuratively. I I prefer you're the game host. I feel like you, your presence could, could have quite the impact. But they all have to. Whoever loses the game has to sign non-disclosure agreements that they never talk what hap- about what happens in the back room. <laughs> But when you fall on the floor, you go to the back room to get lube, and they escort you out the back door from there. And so no one really knows what it means to get lube. That, sound, that, that, <laughs> that would sounds be like a, a better lot, show. That, 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 it does sound like a lawsuit waiting to happen, though. No, they sign NDAs. It's fine. <laughs> yes, because there's never lawsuits about NDAs later on in life. No, no. You uh you 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 film what happens in the back room and then you say well if you break the non disclosure we'll put this on the internet and that still doesn't mean anything if they just walked out of a back room it just gives it another really <laughs> nasty gross feel and you really don't want to you really don't want to fall on the floor you know <laughs> that, that show sounds fun I would I would watch that that's terrifying that's a high stakes that's a high stakes yeah show. that is high stakes usually high stakes shows don't well. I say usually they don't last very long, but then you have stuff like Fear Factor that went on for four seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just imagine something like Robbie, just like you get lubed, and uh, and also the floors of lava. This is fun, people. This is fun. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, also, I finished uh, Chernobyl recently. Uh, it was really good. That's a good that was one. just a genuinely. Me and Liz both watched that. That was just a genuinely amazing show. Very well put together. The uh, the weird dissonance between, like, it's supposed to be Russian, but everybody in it is British is kind of weird to me. But they made a choice and they went with it, so it's fine. Uh, they did what they did. Yeah, I, I remember that, too. I was like, it'd be more interesting if they were actually Russian. But yeah. I, uh, I really like the actor who played that lead scientist. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've seen The Terror. I have that he yeah that I I really love that that first season I started watching the second one and it was it was good but I I went to like uh Boston for this trip thing and when I got back it was it was such a disconnect from when I started to like where I was then I just 
wasn't interested anymore, but the first season was whew, that was good stuff. The terror is maybe really the most that. depressed I've been while watching a cable drama in my entire life, actually. It, it's it's it the entire tone of that it, it show is, is just so fucking heavy. There's not a light moment in the entire show. There isn't, and it's just watching people literally do their best, you know, and it's not enough yeah. with the environment. Um, I because of bad decisions in early on. It was a that was a mistake. Yeah, I made mistakes. <laughs> for me, that's that's well. I get it though. It's good. Yeah, I think I watched. Like, I, I three really or four enjoyed episodes him as that, an actor. and I was really into it, but I didn't have a way to finish it. It's on Hulu now. If you have Hulu, I no longer have Hulu. I know people who have Hulu, but I personally do not have it. I have Hulu. Oh, okay. That's great. Um, but yeah, Sam says in chat, "Fuck it, I'm getting HBO." Uh, yeah, you should. It's a great service. They have all of Doctor Who on there. If that, if like that, that's enough. That's a reason enough. They have Watchmen on there. They have Chernobyl. They have The Wire. They have Sopranos. Fucking, they got a bunch of great shit to watch yeah. forever. But they don't have. The terror. They don't have the terror. Hulu has the terror. Hulu has the terror, and Hulu can also potentially have HBO. So yeah, like you can connect the two of them together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think this. I think I'm going to get a negative response here, or not a negative response. I think I'm going to get nose across the board, except for Sam. So basically, I'm asking Rocky how fucking Rocky dare you? Here. No, I'm kidding. Um, have you guys watched Penny Dreadful? No, not yet. That is. No, so, no, it's crossed my mind to watch that because I've heard good things from you and from a couple other people, but it's one of the most beautiful shows ever. That's a pretty. I know that. Sa- I know that sounds. Like That's a lot. pretty high praise. Uh, I'll have to check that out. It's such amazing gothic horror. It's basically exactly what I want from Gothic Horror, and it did it for three years straight, and it had an amazing, an amazing ending that I can't explain without spoiling it. But it was great. The, Does something the, feel we need to watch? Yes, the first three seasons of that show are amazing for the original run. For just Penny Dreadful, I'll check it out. Um, they're great. Yeah. So what they've done recently is they did Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. It's a spinoff. Um, it shares the Penny Dreadful name because Penny Dreadful is just reference to old horror comics that cost a penny back in the day. Um, City of Angels does not have anywhere near that amazing tone at all. I watched the first three episodes and like the characters are good and like it's going for its own thing and it's fine, but it doesn't. It's just not the original. Like it didn't need to be called Penny Dreadful. They could have called it City of Angels and it would have been fine. And it would have been a whole other thing on its own. It didn't need to be called Penny Dreadful at all. Do you feel like it's one of those things where they just put the Penny Dreadful name on there as a way, as like a marketing scheme? Yep. Literally it. That's literally yeah. it. Cause it has nothing to do with any of the story from the original Penny Dreadful. Um, it's literally just Penny Dreadful city of angels. It should have been called city of angels in a weird way. Well, I guess in a weird way, kind of like, uh, it just as a comparison, but like not an apples to apples, but just a comparison, kind of like what they did for, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane of how like that was meant to be its own movie. And then they decided to like kind of just add the Cloverfield name to it for marketing reasons. Um, so like in some ways I feel like 10 Cloverfield Lane, like uh, it, it was literally a marketing move. Yeah. Um, I'll say that first off, but I feel like 
the way that they pulled it off ended up working really well. Yeah, and it did work out very well. Like I actually did enjoy that movie, which is why I'm saying like not an apples to apples comparison, but just like a in a marketing decision. Yeah, and I think in a way where the Cloverfield name didn't work was Cloverfield Paradox, which was literally it was going to be its own movie. And then last minute, they spent two months doing some a couple of different shots and like in post-production and adding some CGI to some stuff to make it part of the Cloverfield universe. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, you get a five second clip of the Cloverfield monster budging through some clouds. And that's what makes it part of the Cloverfield universe. Um, that is a that is a cash cow. Um, OK, basically, that's that's that is much more uh, comparable to that, I would say. OK. Uh, yeah, though, I uh, I highly recommend Penny Dreadful. It's unfortunately a Showtime show. I don't really have high praise for most things on Showtime because I feel like a lot of them feel kind of cheap. But Penny Dreadful is the one the one thing to where I'm just like, this is fucking art. Every episode of that show just feels so good. And it bathes you in its gothic horror light. And I love it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I think with shows like that that I could think of, uh, something I've been giving high praise to for a while. And we talked about doing like little mini episodes at some point in time, which I don't know if it'll happen. But the first, at least my idea at first was it was for that show, The Night Of, because I felt like they did a really good job with that show. And like Mm -hmm. me knowing absolutely nothing about The Wire, it makes me want to watch The Wire just because it's the same people who did it or did the the show or The Night Of. And for a mini series like that was a really good one. And I would recommend that to a lot of people. I think with that, though, um, you do need to temper your expectations. They're very different things. They are very different things. Yes. But uh, I think with the fact like just because of how well they did the storyline for that, though, made me like even if it's uh, I know the wire is going to be its own thing, but that made me want to watch it just knowing that it was made by the same people. Yeah. Um, the wire is fucking amazing. By the yeah, way. I was yeah. super, that is super a... hesitant to watch the wire. It took years for Rocky to convince me to finally watch it. Yeah, that is a top-notch show. Yeah, but that both is, of you told me that's a top-notch. You'll like it. You'll like it, Robbie. Yeah, I, it's it's your thing. It's it's not. It's it's very gray. There aren't there there are people stuck in complicated situations, and that's you know it doesn't try to sell you. A reality just kind of portrays one, right? Which is pretty cool because it's very it's very real, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's it's really great. Um, another show that Rocky's tried to get me to watch a lot of Sopranos, and I don't, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I think it's a quality show. I just think uh, it just made, it's just not for me. Not quite your jam. Yeah, I've lot of lost the gusto for the Sopranos over the years. It's still, it's still a good show. Um, I could, I couldn't do what I could. I could sit down and watch like just a random episode of The Wire and just enjoy it. I I don't necessarily think I could do that with with the Sopranos anymore. I also for like the series like the list of crime genre genre shows. I could do it with The Wire and Breaking Bad, and those would be the only two. Um, things like Sons of Anarchy and Sopranos. Although Sons of Anarchy really shouldn't be on that list because it's far more action pack based. Yeah. Uh, the other three are more like human condition sort of thing. But uh, those those would be the only two that have, in my opinion, stayed stayed like really like high bar for me. For me, I I honestly still really love the Shield. 
I was actually about to say that. I was going to say both oh, you yeah, and Rocky have tried to pick on that one. And like, I, it seems like it'd be good, but like, I just have a, I don't know. I just have a weird, I'm going to have a hard time sitting down and just watching it. Like whatever I do, I'm pretty sure I'm going to binge like all six seasons of that within the matter. Or no, at six, was it six or nine seasons? I think it's like seven or eight. Something like however many seasons I'll probably like binge watch the entire thing in like two weeks whenever I finally do sit down and watch it. But like, I think it's just I have to like, I guess, be in the right mindset to just sit down and watch something like that. It's also one of those shows that like it feels kind of procedural for the first couple seasons. And then it becomes a very different show after that. And it becomes way more high stakes. Like the stakes feel very low at the beginning. It, it tries to set it up in the first season as being very high. But you don't know the characters, so it doesn't feel that important. Right. Um, but I think like after season three is when that show really hits into high gear. And then every single episode is just fucked. There's something super horrible happening in every yeah. episode. Hmm. Okay. In a way, that's great. Yeah. Like everything feels high stakes after that. But yeah, as I can say, both you and Rocky, like early on, like I think while we were still all living in the valley, both of you tried selling me on that show. And like, I just kind of gave you the, like, okay, I'll watch it eventually thing. And then it, I think I watched like the very first episode and uh, I've done this with a lot of shows too. Ever like, oh, this seems interesting. I'll get, I'll get back to it later. And then I just never get back to it. It's so good. It's so good. It was good enough for me to buy the whole box set for a hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I saw that. Oh, nice. Yeah. With uh, the funny thing about that is, uh, I bought the entire box set for like I think it was like eighty or ninety dollars for uh, Breaking Bad for my mom because I knew she was gonna like that or that show. Mm -hmm. But she kind of did like the same, like, oh, I'll get I'll get to it eventually. So I just like legitimately bought her a Blu-ray player and all five seasons of Breaking Bad. So she would watch it, <laughs> and she sat down and watched the entire thing within like a matter of I think a week. Just listen. Mom, I need you to just no shut up, shut up, shut. Yeah, I know the ropes burn. Shut up. I need you to <laughs> sit down and watch the show. I get that though. Yeah, but I think with me, like me getting her that Blu-ray player was also me like trying to like tell her that like it's okay for her to like technologically advance her entertainment value because like at that time, <laughs> like literally all they had was Dish and they were watching it on this old CRT TV. And then, like, once they finally got their first, uh, when they finally first got their first flat screen TV, that's whenever I bought them their Blu ray player. And that just opened a whole new world. Oh, yeah. That just opened up a whole new world for them. Like, they're on all the streaming services now because of us. They finally got an internet connection. Like, my mom has not had internet since 2006. And now she finally <laughs> has internet again. So that way she can watch her Hulu and she can watch her Netflix. And so that way, or, and her way of justifying it is because the security system they have, uh, it doesn't demand internet, but if they want to, like, keep a, an eye on their house while they're away then it needs an internet connection yeah so they got an internet connection for that but since i bought them that blu-ray player they're able to like get some streaming services off of it yeah um speaking of streaming That's services nice. and plays, um there, there's a blu-ray series that i never thought that i would actually get um like i just i don't think i want to own them except for maybe the first season is stranger things and it's not even because, like, I super want to rewatch it. Like, if I want to do that, they're all on Netflix. It's Netflix original. You can easily right. do that. But they have a 4K collection that is surrounded oh, by God. what looks like a VHS. That's interesting. And it looks cool. You, all you had to do was say 4K, cool. and I feel like you were in. It's like 4K. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get that. <laughs> As E would say, all seven of them. God damn. 
Robbie's Vampire Masquerade is your 4K. I always fucking have to hear about the 4K. <laughs> Just my tabletop in general. Me listening to tabletop gaming in general is dry as 4K. I'm, I admit I'm slightly jealous, but mostly I'm not. But I'm slightly jealous. But um, I'll also say that for Stranger Things, I think I've never got past three episodes of the first season. I think the first season is the strongest. So if you don't, if you can't even get past that, then that show's just not for you. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I uh, just not into. You know what? It has that '80s vibe, and I was never a fan of it, movies from the '80s. There's just something so unappealing to me about that the the '80s vibe. I'm the opposite way. Think the '80s vibe. I'm way into. Yeah, I'm kind of into it too. Like, I'm not super into the 80s vibe, but it, it is a vibe that I can dig. Yeah. Um, that also being just said, there's, like, like a, this B-rated uh, 80s movie that I want to show Dryady at some point. So I'm like, we're all going to hate the movie. I can guarantee it. But it's going to be fun <laughs> just to sit there and, like, kind of laugh at it. That's fine. Um, since somebody, I don't know who brought up 4Ks, I, I guess I may as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws 40th anniversary 4K came out. Oh boy. And I super want it because it seems like it'll look really good because it has a 35 millimeter original. So it it transfers over really well to 4K because it technically is already 4K. So Dry just has to start saying what he really wants. It's like it's like in an addict saying, Oh, I really like that 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 alleyway. I want to go down there and investigate. You, you don't have to tell us the titles. You're like, there's 4K 4K. <laughs> I need to. I need to 4K it. <laughs> I mean, I never heard you once give a fuck about Jaws until now. So I think Jaws. <laughs> I think Jaws is a very important film. Actually, thank you, sir. We actually have talked what, about it before. It is okay. what created the modern blockbuster. Yeah, because uh, okay, okay, fair the, I think it's the AFI's top 100 movies of all time. I think Jaws is number one on there. And I was saying like I don't agree with that, and I was like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I think I do agree with it because it was just so influential on how media was released into theaters. Before I've I've mentioned this before, it's a story probably many people know, but I'm going to say it again. Before Jaws, the summer was where you put out all the movies that nobody gave a fuck about because everybody was out like at the beach or outside the parks having fun, doing full cool summer stuff, not in like a small little theater in the dark. They're out in the sun doing fun things. And then Jaws came out. Everybody saw it, and it started building more and more and more, and suddenly people weren't at the beach because they were afraid of fucking sharks all the time. But it did so insanely well that people realized, hey, maybe we can release movies in summer. And so that created the modern blockbuster because everybody started putting all their movies out in summer instead of in winter. Eh. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not a personal feeling. (laughs) I don't agree with that list. I did actually buy uh, 4K, 4K, uh, 4K, 4K, 4K. <laughs> okay, 4K, 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 4K. <laughs> I did buy a 4K movie that I don't care that much about this week, though. Uh, I bet you watched all of it, though. Well, I haven't gotten it yet. I got it because it is supposed to be <laughs> oh, the oh. best-looking 4K movie out there. And I bet you can't guess what movie it is. I will give you three guesses. Okay. Robbie, go mile. three guesses. Three guesses at the best 4K. Oh, what? I'm trying to think of a 4K movie that you do not care about that, but it is like shiny and looks nice. 
it's 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 supposed to be literally the best looking 4K movie you can get. But once again, I'm trying to think of a movie that you don't care about because I was uh, originally I was gonna say like one of the Marvel movies. Because no, no, I like those. Yeah, that's the thing is like you like those movies, so it can't be those. Um, <laughs> I almost want to say Justice League, but I know that's gonna be a big no. Um, fuck, you're at two. I'm considering those two two things you said guesses already. Yeah, one more. Night at the museum. Nope. <laughs> All right, Rocky, your turn. Three guesses. The Green Mile, nope. Goosebumps, nope. Sandlot. Nope. Okay. <laughs> he really didn't care. It was zero. Plus. No, I just want to hear what the movie is. Yeah, I want to hear the movie. Uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh. Like oh. Okay. Yep. It was shot in seventy millimeter uh, Technicolor. So it was. When, apparently when it does that big thing of like goes to black and white to color it goes from the, that small little letterbox or not even letterbox that four by three black and white and then when it hits with the land of oz it bursts out into these huge hdr 10 plus color gamut and it was shot in 70 millimeters so it could even go up to 8k and look fantastic like you can apparently see the textures on their costumes and everything in the background it's apparently looks fucking amazing. So I ordered that yesterday. I'm just going to say that first off, I, I I feel two things about this. First, that does sound pretty fucking awesome. So that's the first. That's the good yeah. one. Then there's a little yeah. bit more nihilistic me. He's like, so what Jariah did was like, hey, I don't give a fuck about this thing. But now it's like I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot give a fuck. And be present for it. <laughs> so I have two. I have two, two clashing sentiments. But yeah, that, that does sound pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, and I, I don't know. I think that'd yeah, be interesting it, to watch watch that with watch that particular movie with with that kind of quality. Yeah, I'm excited about it. But I guess like another thing with like the whole dries going on about 4K is like. Another thing is, Dry didn't really care about PC gaming until I gave him a PC that could play some games in 4K. Yeah, but like and he was able to hook it up to his fancy 4K TV. I don't even do it for 4K though. I just put it at 1080, and then I just put it with HDR because HDR is the part I actually care about. Yeah, for games. Anyway. When is Dry gonna start sh- streaming himself watching 4K movies and saying it to his close friends? It's just his reactions. <laughs> like, oh man, like the plot is shit, but man, these visuals. <laughs> <laughs> like I could give a fuck about this character, but man, that death scene looked nice. That looks nice. Uh, Sam and Kyrie and Chad are talking um, about like the thing that I just wouldn't care about that I would still buy. So I actively dislike the Harry Potter movies, except for like the last three. I think they're just bad. They're just not good movies. But they were all shot in thirty-five millimeter, <laughs> so, so they look good in four. There's a four K perfect transfer with them. And there is a 4K box set for all the movies. I don't give a fuck about Harry Potter. I just need to emphasize that. I really genuinely do not give a shit about Harry Potter. But uh, but that 4K, yo. They would probably look real good. So maybe we should spend $120 on these. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we, we have found the weak point in Jiraiya's armor. Just the 4K. <laughs> just if... <laughs> Could you imagine how good it would look in 4K? He, <laughs> Jiraiya would 
trick trick himself into giving himself to an artificial intelligence because of how real it looked. Like, don't, that's not, that's going to eat you. Yeah, but it looks so real, though. <laughs> it's like real life. <laughs> it's, uh, I almost said something, but it's it'd be just... spoiling a movie that Dryad uh, got me to watch. Uh, that movie, Upgrade. Upgrade. Oh, Upgrade's Upgrade. really good. Yeah, I, I was going to say at the ending of that movie, like, you would totally let that happen to you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd be in. Yeah. Fuck it. Like that's all I'm gonna say without spoiling. Yeah, there's there's some apocalypses I know Jariah doesn't have my back, and that's gonna be anything with virtual reality. Yeah. He's either he's gone to the other side. Either that, or either like <laughs> didn't even leave a fucking note for anybody. Yeah. Just he, he's gone. Either that or like the ending to Repo Man. Like he would totally be okay with that ending. Yeah, fine, whatever. I haven't seen I haven't seen Repo Man. It's a pretty decent movie. Like not the genetic opera, just like the uh, the one that's meant to be like like they're both the same premise. Or they're both the same premise, but like <laughs> one is a musical and the other one is like just a set story that they're trying to tell. And the one that has like the set story. There are things. Continue. Yeah, go on. No, I was. I'm. Sometimes I space out my head and I interrupt, and then I realize what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. <laughs> You're good, but yeah, yeah. No. So your brain. God just damn it! <laughs> your brain just decides like I need to talk here, but it doesn't actually have anything to say. No, like I get like this creative spark, and I'll create something, and then I want to share it, and then I'll s- spill it out, and I just realize, hey, while well, you've been gone for the last two minutes, everyone else is still doing their thing, and you're interrupting right now, and then it's just <laughs> gets awkward. And then there's me just trying to shut up so other people can talk. <laughs> That's just because you're you're a polite human being. I try. I'm just impulsive. <laughs> I mean, I'm also impulsive. Like, there's certain times during this podcast that you'll hear me want to say something to chime in and then I have to shut myself up because I know I'm interrupting them. Okay, so because we've deviated now because of my reckless interruptions, I'm going to say what I was going to say and then we'll go back to Repo Man. Okay. I was going to say that you know that existential crisis where like you think about like what if life is a hologram? That's something Jiraiya is impervious to. He doesn't have that crisis. He's like, that's everything I ever wanted. Yeah. I wish life was a hologram. It would make things a lot easier. You're impervious to like that whole existential crisis. It doesn't it's just wave. Right, totally down for He's like, yeah, I'm totally okay with this. As long as he doesn't. It's like, get why are we playing sick. games? Let's just. As long as he doesn't get motion sick inside of the VR, he's fine yeah. living there. It's like I'm really jumping off. The Me and Robbie play. Me and Robbie play bumper cars of conversation we just both talk collide and then just stand there in like a dizzy spell for a second not saying anything the funny thing about it last time i actually played bumper cars with somebody i think i was 24 and we went to a place for a friend's birthday and they just literally had bumper cars there and they're like yeah you guys can go ahead and play and like it was literally just like six adults in these tiny little bumper cars just ramming into each other as hard as we could like at one point in time I think someone actually lifted a bumper car off the ground because of how hard we hit it. Jesus Christ. And there's just like a bunch of kids in line waiting for us to get off so that way they can play. It's like, really, dude? <laughs> <laughs> it's what made it the best. Just imagine you like driving by them super fast too and just like flipping them off. And well, the thing is, is because oh, yeah. at some point in time, like we would find where like, the longest point of the, uh, the oval was and like two of us would like just back up to like the very edges of it and just like run into each other head on. And whenever two 
full-grown adults over 200 pounds are going at each other at like 20 miles an hour. I guess not 20 miles, probably closer to 10 miles an hour, but still like 10 miles an hour in these little aluminum bumper cars and hit each other full speed. It causes them to lift up off the ground. And we thought it was the funniest thing. And there's just a bunch of kids waiting to get into bumper cars, just watching us going like, what the fuck, man? You fucking ruined Timmy's birthday. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Sam was saying the graphics are shit. I don't know if she's saying uh, this virtual hologram that we're currently in or if we're, they're talking about actual vr like her playstation vr no no if this is the hologram we're in the graphics are shit some of the textures feel off i don't know it needs some god power. it's so boring i don't know i don't know how much i paid for the simulation but i've got fucking ripped off <laughs> there's so much downtime yeah the graphics are fine but there's just too much downtime <laughs> I spent most of my time doing routines, like those like mini games, <laughs> for like no reason. It's not even for XP. <laughs> I'm actually like losing XP by doing them. Just like that poker game in Red Redemption. Only instead of like actually like gaining money off an XP off it, you're just losing all of your money constantly. Yeah, yeah, that's what pretty much. Like. But you know what I say? Yep. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck, Fuck it. it. And with that, I think it's time for us to end this show. Yeah, because we're almost at two hours now. You know what? We were just making up for last week. Yeah, that's fair. Because last week it was like 40 minutes. Of like, you oh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't yeah. know. What do you want to talk about? Exactly. So thank you guys for joining me. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, that was. I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody, keep an eye out for Thursday. Episode of The Wailing is going up. If you're listening to this live, if you're listening to the archive, it's already up and you already listened to it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Have a great week out there. Uh, if you're going to be protesting, please do that safely. Wear masks. Have some hand sanitizer. Wear some gloves. Whatever you gotta do to be safe and not get sick. Watch out for yourself and others. If you're not protesting, then stay home. Stay alone. Stay alive. You know the drill. Thank you, Robbie, Rocky, for joining me. Always. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody, have a great week out there. Talk to you guys next week. Have a great one. Bye. See you later. Take it easy.